What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Got my guy Sterling Harris on. Sterling, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's up? What's up? So as y'all know, Super Bowl just passed. Plenty to talk about. Also going to throw in a little bit of college football there and how it kind of translates uh, through and through. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. All right, Sterling. So as we both know Super Bowl just happened. Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in fact take the win with the final score of 31 to nine over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to say my little spiel real quick and I'm going to let Sterling take over because it sounds like <laughs> Sterling has plenty to say. First things first, Brady, Tom Brady gets his seven Super Bowl and 10 appearances, five Super Bowl MVPs. What could be said? Saw Gronk emerge today with his two touchdowns. It's nice to see him kind of take back his uh, take back his throne almost. Antonio Brown had his touchdown. So what I was thinking was, man, went from the courthouse to the Super Bowl. So that's always nice to see from him. Thought it was super cool that there were two black offensive coordinators from Byron Leftwich, uh, man in the headset for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you have Eric B and me on the Kansas City sideline. Now for that Kansas City, uh, well, the Kansas City offensive coordinator role. Now for that Kansas City offense, dude, the pressure they were able to get on Pat Mahomes was insane. I think a lot of us talked about that with them having their left and I'm pretty sure the right tackle out for this game. Uh, really, I think they were out for the rest of the year. It would impact them, but they were really able to get pressure on Patrick to the point where Patrick, you can tell how he plays, that he plays a little basketball, about how he moves in the pocket. And even early on in the game, you saw him scramble for some first downs. But and one of those jukes that like moving in the pocket, just keeping the defenders kind of off guard, because I remember one time specifically, it was like a, two corners came on a blitz and he was able to evade both of them, but it was just too much. So and then also I had big problems with those Kansas City receivers. They were dropping the pass when they were hitting them in the face and Patrick was scrambling like crazy to try to get open. So that's <laughs> that's my thoughts on the game as a whole. I, I have my questions. But what, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, Todd Bowles, uh, or a defensive player deserved the MVP. I mean, I understand Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but Tom, but Devin White played a phenomenal game. The Levante David played a phenomenal game, having um, to be a key matchup to, to hold Kelsey in check for most of the game. Uh, Bowles did a beautiful job bracketing uh, Hill, making sure that he was not going to do anything that he did in the first game against them <laughs> um, at all. Uh, he kept Hill in check the whole game for somebody else to beat him. Um, and I, I mean, Tampa's defense was, was the difference the whole game. And, and yes, O-line, you know, O-line issues was going to be bad for Kansas City. And I think a lot of people forgot that it starts up front when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. You lose Eric Fisher. Um, you lose Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, I think they lost um, a guard earlier in the year. And they have been shuffling all year, kind of their O-line. And yeah, they made it through. But, you know, you lose your, your number one overall pick. People forget Eric Fisher was the last number one overall pick to win a Super Bowl in, in like of, the last 20 years. I think he came out of Central Michigan. It was a tackle, right? Yeah, the left tackle. And, yeah. and people always want to talk about, you know, you got to take a quarterback number one overall to start a franchise. Nope. Kansas City built it from the trenches. They built it starting with Eric Fisher. Um, their O-line was horrible today. As, as you know, you you kind of would have expected it to be against that Bucks front on defense. And um, Todd Bowles was just phenomenal. 
Devin White was phenomenal. Levante Davis was phenomenal. Um, that's my takeaways. And, and I think, you know, also special teams was, was an issue for Kansas City as well. Um, having, I think, two really bad punts, um, lining up offsides when you're holding the team to three and, and that turned into seven. Yes. Um, those yeah. type of those type of things in the football game, you know, people act like you just throw a quarterback like Pat Mahomes out there and and, and magic is going to happen regardless. No, football is a team sport. Everything needs to be in sync for you to win championships. And the Bucs were better on offense. They are better in de- on defense. And it was way better in special teams today. So, Has Devin White – would you say Devin White has played really well all season, or do you think he's played especially well tonight? Uh, he played – he he was really good all season. He had, I think, an injury that kept him out for a little bit, so he had to get back into his rhythm. But he was special tonight. Um, people, I mean, just look at the first the first series of the third quarter. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against any other team probably takes that to the house. Devin White chases him down. after It was like it was one of those uh, sneaky run plays that Kansas City incorporated early in the third quarter. And Edwards Lair kind of slipped through and missed and, and broke the safety and was about to go up the sideline. And I think as any other team in that situation, he, he probably takes it to the house. But Devin White, who was a freak coming out of LSU running a 4-4-2, um, chased him down from behind and, and can't see end up only kicking the field goal on that drive. So um, he played phenomenal today, was flying all over the field. And he had an injury earlier. He recovered and they got him back, I think, right before the playoffs. He started playing really well. He played really well in that Saints game as well. As you remember, he got one of those game ceiling picks on Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, and then he got a, he got I think uh, a pick um, later in this game against Mahomes. So I thought he deserved the MVP. Um, but he doesn't give it to Brady probably anyway. But Devin White and that Tampa Bay defense really showed you um a lot today and Tell- how they were there. Talk to me a little bit more. How were they able to cover Travis Kels better than most teams have been able to all year? Well. First thing was usually when Kelsey's running most of the stuff, you know, it's going to be off of some quick reads from a home where usually has time in the pocket. But you, you kind of help cover Travis Kelsey when you're getting pressure on the quarterback. Because a lot of those times, Mahomes couldn't even sit there and deliver the ball. Even if Kelsey was open, he was stuck scrambling, running around. And then the defense had time to recover. Um, they had Levante David on him, pretty much pressing him off the line of scrimmage. So that is what the timing there. And in a game where timing was already going to be limited because of the missing offensive line pieces for Kansas City, uh, when you extend that time period for the ball to go from a homes to a receiver, it, it messes up even more. And that's just kind of how you defend Kelsey in that situation, who was Mahomes kind of under – he was always the underneath option for him. Um, even he tried to look at Hill. They always had to do it over Hill, um, helping over top of the cornerback, whoever was guarding him. And then, you know, the Chiefs tried to do a little – some dummy stuff where they kind of just had receivers just sit in the flat. Just so Mahomes had nowhere to go to the ball, he just kind of threw it to the flat, and they just said, we're going to rally to you. So um, pressure helped cover Kelsey. The jams of Levante David and his speed, being able to recover and, and run with him helped cover Kelsey. And I think after they physicaled up, you know, they got physical with him earlier. We've seen Kelsey had some drop passes that we have not yeah. seen him have in many games this year. Um, so yes. that's just kind of how they – that's what they did to him. Yeah, it was major that, and then a little bit. It seems like more towards the third or fourth quarter, he was able to kind of find. Really, I guess the fourth quarter, he was trying. He was able to find his way open a little bit, but at that point, it was kind of too late. Yeah, so. But did want to mention, dude, the amount of LSU players running around that field was insane. <laughs> you had Clyde Edwards, you had Leonard Fournette, so that's both backfields. You had Devin White, Ty- uh, Tyron Matthew, Kevin Minter, and there's actually a couple more. 
So I, I just think that's crazy. So the past two years, last year, the national championship game and all those players were drafted. And then now you have in the Super Bowl, then their social media staff, if the listeners, if y'all don't follow LSU football on social media, please <laughs> do. They do an outstanding job. And we're going to talk about LSU football a little bit more here. And y'all going to see how this kind of flows into it. Did want to talk about the NFL awards that went out. You have Russell Wilson got the Walter Payton a Man of the Year award. Aaron Rodgers got the league MVP. Did you like that league MVP? Did you have any? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with Aaron Rodgers getting MVP. I don't think, I, you know, yeah, they lost to the Bucs um, two weeks ago in the NFC, or three weeks ago in the NFC Championship game. And he was in Super Bowl. But for over the course of the regular season, um, what what he had to kind of put together to go 13-3 and three again with the Green Bay squad that, as we saw in the NFC Championship game, was not very good all around. Yeah. To begin with, Aaron Rodgers worked with really still one true number one receiver or and doesn't really have a, a number two they can rely on consistently even at tight end where like Mahomes has Tyree Kill but then his number two receiver is the number one tight end in the league and Kelsey or um, we look at Brady where he has Evans, Gronk, Brown you know just a plethora of, of weapons Rodgers was working with one dude um, pretty much the whole year and, and uh, yeah Aaron Jones is a great back but in terms of getting the ball, pushing it vertically to, to put some pressure on teams, I think Rodgers definitely still deserves the MVP award, you know, for regular season. Playoffs, it becomes more of a team game, but for regular season, just looking at uh, what people had to deal with, I think Aaron Rodgers easily deserved that award going 13-3. And this, so. this is his first time winning the league MVP, correct? No, he's won it a couple of times. I think he's won it about two. I want to say he's won it two times over. I can't okay. remember. Let me I'm have to check that. I think he's won it another time, though, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, all right, well, like, if you want to check on that while you do that, Alex Smith did, in fact, win Comeback Player of the Year. One person didn't vote for him, and everybody's like, who would not have voted for him? This man almost had his leg amputated, <laughs> didn't know he was going to live, and he ends up coming back. Uh, there's still questions about his future, and they'll continue to play, but we'll see how that He has goes. three. He has three, goodness gracious. I yeah, he won one in 2011, 2014, and then this year, so. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And now, but, dude, the reason that the questions I have and how this ties into LSU uh, the rookie of the year is between Justin Herbert coming out of the Chargers, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and Justin Jefferson. And obviously, I'm a Justin Jefferson fan. He had 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. Did you think they got it right with giving it to Herbert, or do you think, or, or would you have liked Justin Jefferson receive the award? I, I think this should have been a situation where you you go co. Um, I'm not going to dispute what Justin Jefferson did over the course of this year. Um, you know. It could have easily been him or Burrow, you know, just based on Burrow's numbers, even though the Bengals weren't winning many games. Neither was the Chargers really until teams, they were kind of beating teams that were kind of out of it or just didn't care. Um, so, I mean, you go either or, but when I look at Justin Jefferson, what he did this year, breaking the records he broke um, as a rookie receiver on a team that had Adam Thielen, that had still Kyle Rudolph, that still had Dalvin Cook uh, going, Dalvin Cook playing phenomenal. Uh, I just feel like his accomplishments were, too overshadowed. I don't, I don't think you can look at a receiver, a rookie receiver, and see the things he did this year and not reward him any type of way um, just because a quarterback threw the ball a little more. Like, Justin Jefferson did stuff on a team that was pretty loaded where Justin Justin Herbert, yes, Justin Herbert played great. I give him credit, but um, if you're going to give out an award like that, Officer Rookie of the Year, the stuff that Justin Jefferson did where he doesn't even really dictate the ball comes to him or not, or or what he or was able to happen on every offensive play, I feel like he should have been rewarded. At least at, at the bare minimum, you know, go co-offensive rookie of the year and give and give it to Herbert and Jefferson. 
Um, but I don't think it should have been an outright award for Jefferson. Or, I mean, for uh, Herbert. Or and if it was, it should have went to Jefferson. Gotcha. And Randy Moss, he did in fact break Randy Ross and Randy Moss and Anquan Bolden records, if I'm not mistaken. It's funny because neither mm-hmm. one of these guys start off the years as starters. I think Justin Jefferson was battling with some COVID stuff. And Justin Herbert, at first, Tyrod Taylor was a starting quarterback. He mm-hmm. was a doctor, did the shot stuff. You know, how, <laughs> you know yeah. how that goes. And then also, though, also want to get your take on the Defensive Player of the Year award. J.J. Watt was very upset that his brother didn't get it. J.J. <laughs> Watt led all statistical categories as far as the defense, besides like interceptions and stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Aaron Donald took home the award. Do you agree with that? Do you think that uh, T.J. Watt should have gotten it? Because uh, now Aaron Donald, understandably, he plays like in the middle. So it, he's going to get all the double teams and stuff. Uh, and so it's a little bit hard for him to get to the quarterback. But what did you think about uh, that award? I mean, I still think it was Aaron Donald's award. Uh, but I do believe that I do believe that TJ at one point in the season was trending in the direction to lock it in. But I think with the way that the Steelers ended the year, um, just kind of losing to the Bengals and, and um, having, you know, the, those kind of fuddles throughout the end of the year and then ultimately losing to the Browns. I don't know if the playoff game had anything to do with it, but um, still, I think the way that Pittsburgh ended the year and the way that that Rams defense really started to ascend in the league uh, going on like week from basically like week 14 to the end of the season or 13 or 12 towards the end of the season and how it was, you know, a direct correlation with the way that Aaron Donald was playing and how he kind of made that whole defense go. Uh, I think that that had more effect on the voters and still Aaron Donald's numbers, even with all the stuff he deals with on a daily basis, the triples, the doubles, the chips, everything still had really, really good numbers for, you know, do that's usually on the interior. So, um, and, team, and people know how important that is because we've seen Aaron Donald when they went to Green Bay, how much of the difference was from um, him not being able to play as much and, and generate that type of stress on Aaron Rodgers um, as opposed to him not, you know, as opposed to him playing the week before against Seattle and kind of taking Seattle out of their whole game. So, yeah, if you kind of look at, I got the stats up right here. Aaron Donald had 13 and a half sacks playing in the interior. T.J. White had 15. I think the big number that was the difference was the tackles for loss. T.J. White had 23, while Aaron Donald had 12. But when you play in that interior, it's a whole different ball game. And you always hear quarterbacks and stuff and defensive coordinators and whoever else say, if you can get pressure through that middle, it makes the biggest difference in the world because that's the quickest way to the quarterback. So mm-hmm. those wards were kind of interesting to see how those kind of transpire. want switch to switch gears here real, real quickly to the NFL Hall of Fame class of 2021 major for those guys uh to be brought into Canton I was trying to figure out you know anytime you watch the NFL films they'll be like there's been 36,000 men to play in the NFL <laughs> only 1,000 I was trying to find the stats but it changes every year so oh, I just man. wanted to list out those guys you got Peyton Manning Charles Woodson Calvin Johnson Drew Pearson who had been waiting a while and he was like last year yeah. he was very frustrated you have Alan Fanica had to, to figure out how to say, pronounce his name before the show, so I'm giving myself credit there. You got <laughs> Bill Nunn, John Lynch, Tom Flores. Who is your favorite one of this class? To, to get inducted? Yeah. It's got to be Peyton Manning. I mean, he, he's the ultimate signal caller, basically. The stuff he did at the line of scrimmage was, you know, stuff of legend. <laughs> Peyton Manning, one of, you know, Yes, people going for the playoffs, but I mean, he was going against Belichick and in, in top three defense every single time. Like, if, if you take Belichick out of the AFC, Peyton Manning maybe is the one sitting here with seven plus rings, um, with that coach team. And he was just he was just a master at work. You know, he he made playing the quarterback position almost pure art. Um, he was probably honestly the greest regular season quarterback of all time. Yeah, I mean, just looking at just regular season, 
Um, because playoff, yes, it gets it comes down to like regular seasons where you show like, or right, who's probably the better player, but playoffs comes down to who has the better team most of the time. Um, but he was probably the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. Uh, you always like root for Peyton Manning, but I would say a very close second is Calvin Johnson because of the stuff he could just do on the on the field at six five two whatever running, you know, just literally Megatron. Um, he 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 retired very early, which was sad, but. Even in the short span that he played, it was like you knew that guy was special. Yeah. So he would be a very close second, and then Charles Woodson was always a Swiss Army knife on defense. Um, you could put him anywhere, and he was going to be an impact player. So. Okay, well, let me go a little more in depth with the Peyton Manning thing for my listeners. If y'all are ever get some free time on YouTube, go to Pat McAfee's YouTube channel and listen to his stories with Peyton Manning. They are the craziest things. One of them was like a rookie wide receiver, like Peyton threw the ball to him at training camp. That's a little bit off. And the guy tried to like kind of get a one hand catch because he couldn't get all the way to the ball. And then Peyton Manning tells him, get off my field and kind of goes over the, over to him and says, if you ever try to catch the ball with one hand again, I'll never throw the ball to you again. And the guy's like a rookie. And it's like, <laughs> no, but he's just locked in. As a matter of fact, I don't know. Yeah, I know you know Marcellus Wiley. Yeah. He always talks about the difference, you know, his defensive lineman. He talks about the difference between playing between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And he was like, y'all, Peyton Manning was the truth. It's like, obviously, you know, nobody wants to play Tom Brady. But Peyton Manning, sure, you really are not trying to play him either. So <laughs> I always think that's interesting. Now, I did look at some stats on Calvin Johnson. And I think these are 100% correct. It might be like a couple seconds off. But at the combine, 6'5", 238, running a 4'3", 5". That <laughs> is a registered that is a freak dude. And I love watching him play in Detroit. And they talked about the amount of injuries this man had just, but always was out ready to play the next week, no matter what, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what injury he has. So I really loved watching uh, Calvin Johnson, obviously received the call and stuff like that. Charles Woodson. I, I remember, obviously I remember him in the NFL, but I really think about him in his days at Michigan. That, that that kind of maybe it's because I played a lot of NCAA. I don't know, but that's what <laughs> I think of whenever I think of Charles Woodson. Um, I mean, well, he was the last. He was the last uh, defensive player to win the Heisman. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, enough said right there. <laughs> we were thinking, mean? we were thinking that year Jabril Peppers had a chance. That that day yeah, he that had big, a shot. That Michigan defense was loaded as well, yeah. but they ended up getting the award. Also, since we're talking about college football for a second, how dare me talk about without? Are you excited for the new game? Now they say it's going to be like three years or so in the making, but are you excited to hear college the NCAA football game is coming back? Oh, I'm so happy so I can stop playing Madden because <laughs> I was sick of that game to tell to tell you the absolute truth. And I'm glad they're giving it some time before they actually bring it back so that way they can get all the national letter of intent. Because let's be honest, these kids want to be in this game. They, they want to be in the game. They don't care if they get paid to get in this game. Yeah. They don't care. Even when the game was first, like, thrown out, it was from, like, some random two people, like the punter and the fifth string running back, whoever it was that, like, fouled the first lawsuit. When Tim Tebow's on the cover, he didn't care. Ingram's on the cover, he didn't care. All the guys that actually played, that people actually knew, never cared about being in a football game. So I think, you know, hopefully this thing is sorted out where they get the NIL letter or whatever it is um, to like, to be licensed in the game and they get that whole thing figured out. Uh, but I'm so excited for NCAA football to come back. I mean, that's the game. I think that's the people's game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the people's <laughs> champ, it's the people's game. 
everybody's tired of Madden anyway. It's just, you know, nobody wants to play that game anymore. <laughs> I think to college football players specifically, it's something about whenever, like, you're hanging around with your guys and it's like, hey, let's play the game. And it's like, and you're a player, you're on the game. That, yeah. that feels everything. Like, yeah, I'm playing with Clemson because you're not going to Clemson. Like, all that. So, and no, we never thought that it would be this long before this game reappeared. I was kind of starting to think it might never come back, but I am super <laughs> Excited for NCAA football to be coming back. My road to glories or campus legends, whatever you want to <laughs> dynasty or whatever you want to say. Hey, um, when well they said they're gonna start giving giving kids Rolls Royces in the um in the recruiting section, <laughs> <laughs> hey, giving them in the uh, giving them money in the McDonald's bags like Tennessee. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, but we're gonna move forward to some a little bit. I guess we could say like the trade discussions. So Matt oh, Stafford yeah. is going to LA. Uh, Jared Goff is going to Detroit. Apparently, that situation with Goff and the head coach of the of the Rams is not real toxic. Yeah. So, do you think that's a good trade, or who, who do you think fits better? You think Stafford fits better in LA, or do you think Goff fits better in Detroit? Oh, this is a beautiful trade for the Rams. I, I think. I think. I mean, now they. You know, I appreciate the Rams and the, the Lions in this because the Lions shot their shot to get Aaron Donald. I'm not mad at them for trying at least. Oh. <laughs> I'm not mad at him for trying, at least. And and the Rams initially did go for Aaron Rodgers to see where the market was on that. And I'm sure they would have given up what they needed to give up to get Aaron Rodgers on that team. But I love this move for Matt Stafford. Um, he's kind of been trapped in like Detroit purgatory for I don't know how long. Um, <laughs> kind of he's kind of been the only player that makes that franchise watchable. You know, every game you you see the or every year you watch the Lions and they're usually losing every game in the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden Matt Stafford goes off and you know makes it seem like everything could be okay once again. So um. Him being in LA with a with a play caller like McVay, um, the pieces he'll have now with like kind of, yeah, they're not. You wouldn't think of them as the greatest receivers in the league, maybe, but Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are are certainly a really great tandem. With um, I can't remember the tight uh, Higby the tight end. Uh, they got two running backs on those um those rookie deals that should be really good. You know, they got a really they got a decent O line. The defense should be playing fine. Um, you know, they have to figure out what they're gonna do because I think John Johnson's a free agent this year. But I think that, you know, the Rams, they focus on getting some faster linebackers, interior linebackers, um, and they can maybe try to plug or draft later in the draft and find somebody to play John Johnson. They should still be a really elite defense. And the the Rams should be – I love this trade for the Rams, even if they get those first-round picks because, like I said, I think like on another – like I said, I think on sports guys, I'm like, they don't care about first-round picks anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great trade for them. Uh, Detroit, I don't really know what Jared Goff is – I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um he could be a placeholder for two years. Uh, they could see how much they can get out of him before maybe moving on or whatnot because um, they're trying to build something new in Detroit as well. So we have to just see. But I think it is a good thing that Detroit does play indoors because I think golf is an indoor player. Um, to a degree, you know what I mean? But he, he would be playing better indoors. So I think it could work for him as well too. I was thinking about when you you brought up the tight end for the Rams, there was his other guy. They went in like Alabama. They went to Alabama, not the University of Alabama, but a small school in Alabama to get. I cannot think of this guy's name. And it was like Sean uh, McVay was like determined to go get this guy. And I think he turned panned out pretty well. But I definitely love that wide receiver duo that they have with the Rams. And we'll see what happens with that. Now, y'all know my guy, Deshaun Watson. Yo, shout out D.Y. He is not answering phone calls, I'm pretty sure, from the Houston Texans right now. And I'm kind of like a Lakers uh, uh, LeBron fan. Wherever LeBron goes, I go. I'm with that with D.Y. I can go and sell this Houston <laughs> Texans stuff. That is not a problem. So I want to know your opinion. Do you think he ends up playing another year in Houston? Or do you think we have seen his last snap? 
it's really tough at this point um, because, you know, of course, yes, he can request a trade and do all that stuff that he wants to do, but organization holds his rights at the end of the day. Um, he could kind of control where he wants to go with the no trade clause, but still the organization is like, we're just not going to trade you anyway. Then he's kind of stuck there. And, and do I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair um, to him? Yeah, I do. But that's kind of the business. Um, but I do believe that I, I do believe that hiring David Culley, I think him and David Culley could mesh very well if he was if he decided to come back. Um, maybe he could use this as a way to kind of get more control over the franchise as a all right, y'all play with me one more time. I'm not coming back here. Right. Um, and kind of use that as a as a way to gain some leverage by still playing another year. I think he might come back to play another year and be really good with David Culley. I think they could really work together. Um uh, I forgot who they hired as a DC, but the Houston Texans coaching staff has gotten really good. Um, they have a really good coaching staff coming up. Yes, they have, they have a lack of players, but Deshaun Watson threw for the most yards in the league last year with a penny and a dime. So um, bringing in a new culture and everything um, to kind of help facilitate that, I think could work in his advantage if he was to play because um, he could gain some more favor in public eye for playing, one. Two, I think he'll be really good and that could help maybe his status in the organization at some point and finally gain some control over stuff that happens. Um, and then if he ever decided to tra- get traded again, then um, he would never be in the wrong. So I, I don't think at this point, at this moment, I can't say he's going to get traded. I think right now it's almost – I think I'm getting to this, but right now it's almost weird saying that Carson Wentz has a higher chance of getting traded than Sean, which is – backwards so <laughs> we're about to talk about Carson Wentz I'm glad you said that but did want to also throw in that Tim Kelly which is the offensive coordinator this past season that Deshaun absolutely loved and said that if he was going to come back they'd have to rehire that guy that he mm-hmm. is coming back to so that probably does help the Texans a little bit what do you know about Cully though who is the new head coach I think he comes from is he come from Baltimore yeah he came from Baltimore yeah what do you know about him I mean he's just a very experienced guy one of those dudes in the league that everybody knows um very likable um has a lot of knowledge can can bring some i think rejuvenated and positive energy to the organization of some of some sort um he is black which i think sean really appreciated for for once um just for his sake uh and i think it's kind of more like he's a dude yeah he's 65 and you, you wouldn't think oh this wouldn't you know be the guy for a young super young quarterback but houston's biggest problem is their culture and Cully being the guy he is, the way he operates, um, his communication skills would really benefit in building a new culture in Houston that doesn't involve the backstabbing like DeAndre Hopkins trades or um, things that would warrant J.J. Watt to basically at this point openly say Houston sucks um, at, any toy, at, at any turn. Um, so I think that's, that's really the main reason, just how he is as a person, his communication skills. And he's a good coach. So um, – I think that's what he brings to the table, and hopefully, and he should be able to mesh with Deshaun. I think really well. Yeah, so we're gonna see what that who, how that pans out. I'm I'm slightly thinking Deshaun might get up out of here. Do, do you think San Francisco is an option? I keep hearing this, but do you think that could actually happen? Um, I would love it with the weapons, but I'm just trying to figure out could that actually take. I it? don't know. I just I don't San Francisco. If I'm Houston, right? If I'm Houston, Deshaun Watson's untradeable anyway. At the, like he's a, he's an untradeable player. You can't sit there and with a straight face say, "Yeah, we're gonna we can trade Deshaun Watson to get anything equal back for that." Yeah, you know, if I'm being a Houston, just a Houston Texans football guy, you can't look at Deshaun Watson and be like, "You can get anything equal." The closest thing you can get 
to to an equal compensation back for Deshaun Watson is is I think either working with the Jets or the Dolphins because you'll be getting a top two to three pick and drafting a QB where I think you know the first four guys in this draft could possibly grade out to become you know just as great as Deshaun or um or maybe better or or maybe just a little bit under. Okay. So it's it's kind of like um. It's, it's one of those situations where I think you, there's really no trade value for Deshaun that's that's equal at all. <laughs> so I think they said that even throwing out numbers, they would need two first, two or three first round picks, and then two defensive starters, and a couple other things, and then like a quarterback too that they feel like would be serviceable. So that's a lot to ask for. But since you brought up Carson Wentz, we're gonna go ahead and change gears to this. Apparently, he's supposed to be traded early this week, as some NFL reports have been saying. I'm hearing maybe Colts or Patriots. They said Philly, would eat if they end up losing him, would end up eating a $33.8 million dead cap hit in 2021, which would be the largest in NFL history. So I guess my question to you is, do you think he ends up leaving Philadelphia? And if he does, where does he land? Oh no, this is this is weird because I feel like with Deshaun, where Deshaun he had every right to warrant the trade and get up out of Houston. Carson Wentz, what are you asking for a trade for? They fired the guy you didn't like anyway, Doug Peterson. Yeah. Okay. They they went and got your boy from uh, uh, Serini, Sirianni. How do you his name? Uh, from from the Colts, QB coach, whoever they just hired from the Colts, whatever. He was under Frank Wright who we all know is Carson Wentz's, uh, you know, was the guy that kind of had Carson Wentz rolling back when they was when they went to the Super Bowl that year. Um, they went and got him to, to come fix you, basically, or to come help you out. Uh, so I don't, I don't understand what Carson Wentz is. I guess he might be still mad about the statue being still outside of Philadelphia. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know exactly what team is going to want to take on that that amount of cap um, from from Carson Wentz. And in, in the expectation that somehow he's not going to produce the same film that he produced the last two years. So, you know, there was, I think there was talking Indianapolis, there was talking Chicago. I guess the best place for him would be Indianapolis because I know it's a direct thing with him and Frank Wright. Uh, I don't know if send him to Chicago or Matt Nagy, where I don't even know if I'm that much of a believer in Matt Nagy myself. Um, is the is the place for him to go, even though Chicago have a great defense. Uh, Wentz has had a pretty decent defense in Philadelphia for the most part under Jim Schwartz and still hasn't produced anything. So I guess the place would be Indianapolis, but they had to give up a whole lot. Um, they're kind of already in a situation where I feel like they're going to have to start paying their offensive linemen. Now, if I was in if I was Indianapolis, I'd probably towards paying offensive line anyway, as opposed to throwing all my money at this quarterback that I'm trying to fix. Like, I don't have time to fix you right now. <laughs> you got to – you kind of have to do that yourself. So um, I think he ends up staying in Philly at the end of this. I don't. I don't know what team is going to really say. I I know they said that it's been getting super hot between the Bears and the Eagles, but if the Bears do that, Ryan Pace will be without, we will be without a job by the end of this year, and Matt Nagy will not have a job by the end of this year, and the Bears are just kind of wasted. Um, what they was kind of building, they just need to get a competent quarterback there, and I don't know if Carson Wentz isn't just a better version of Mitchell Trubisky at this point, so. But if Carson Wentz stays in Philadelphia, what happens with Jalen Hurts? It becomes interesting. Um, I think Jalen Hurts may be a team. I don't see a team going after Jalen Hurts to get him. But, you know, you can see Jalen Hurts being used as a – I don't know. They can maybe run a two I – don't, I don't, you know, you don't really see two QB systems in the NFL. 
yeah. like that. So I don't know what happens with Jalen Hurts, and I don't know what team would is saw Jalen Hurts last year and thought he can be our franchise and, and would want to go trade for him right then and now. So I think Jalen Hurts just keeps making free money and chills. <laughs> you know, that's still not bad. Uh, you know, I want to say I want to see him play, but if Jalen Hurts is chilling on sideline, watching Carson Wentz burn out, and he's making free money, and just every time he goes into the game, he's playing with house money. Um, he can do no wrong, basically. I think that's fine for Jalen Hurts, um, personally. That'll be fine for him. And uh, I think you, I mean, you got to worry about nothing, really. Yeah, so we will see what happens with that. I would love to see the Colts give, throw my boy Jacoby Brissett back out there and see what he can roll with. But yeah, it seems like they just keep, they'll keep bringing guys in out from out of, uh, from off their team, from other teams to kind of just bring them in as free agents who are not, as opposed to start him. So we'll see if he gets to emerge again to be a starter. I'm going to go here real quickly to the college football rank. Just want to throw these names out here real quickly. First things first. C.J. Spiller is now the new running backs coach at Clemson. It's crazy because I know Carolina, even Carolina Clemson fans, I don't care, you know C.J. Spiller from those oh, back yeah. 2009 days. I remember watching him with the two jukes on the sideline against Georgia Tech in all purple uniforms. And a lot before the Travis Etienne's of the world and the Wayne Gallman's, it was C.J. Spiller who was a Heisman yeah. Trophy candidate. I think that year, Ndamukong Sue finished a little bit before him. And it was crazy to watch Ndamukong Sue play tonight in the Super Bowl. He had one of those sacks where they tried to kill my guy, <laughs> Mahomes. They tried to take this. And he it, knew it was coming. It, you always go with the, with the defensive player do some cruel stuff. And then Patrick was just kind of looking around. But anyway, yeah, so C.J. Spiller, new running backs coach, and that promotes Tony Elliott up to the co-head coach and offensive coordinator. Now Mm -hmm. Tony Elliott's making $2 million a year, so he's in the Brent Venables uh, club. Clemson and and Clemson, South Carolina, they spend money on coordinators. Like, that Mm -hmm. is not the problem. I'm really excited to see uh, Clemson versus Georgia next year in the opener way too early. Are you excited about that one? Who do you think comes out with the win? And that's gonna be at in, and that's gonna be at uh, Bank of America Stadium. Who comes out with that one? I'm gonna go with the Georgia Bulldogs on that one. Wow, I'm gonna take Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, I'm taking Georgia. Um, if I'm just looking at just bare, just how Georgia played at the end of the year. Yes, I know the game versus Cincinnati wasn't what people thought it would be, but I personally believe that's because Cincinnati was a better team than given credit for. Yep. And Georgia just kind of found that out in the bowl game that there was that's a really good team. Um, who won their conference championship? It was it was ready to play. Um, but I think Georgia would dominate up front on offensive line. It's kind of the same way that Alabama dominated Clemson up front on the offensive line. Uh, Georgia's going to get most of their receivers back and have a lot of weapons. And then, most importantly, they have that two-headed monster at running back with James Cook. And I can't remember the other guy's name, but so James Cook. And, okay. He is. It, it, did he, is he returning or, is he, or did he declare? I'm, I think he's returning. I'm not sure. I think he was returning. I, I thought I would have remembered if he declared. But if he, does, if he did declare, they had the other guy that was a freshman. Um, that was running wild himself. So I, I think uh, Georgia is going to dominate uh, up front, and that's, that would decide the game on both ends. So hopefully, I'm taking not, Georgia. If they're, I'm taking Clemson. Hopefully, I'm praying that COVID is kind of calmed down because if it's going to be only like sixteen thousand seats, the tickets going to be buku yeah. going. But if it's like somewhat normal, I'm definitely going to be out there. That'll, that'll be, I think, that Labor Day weekend. I'm really looking forward to that one and another way to early game. I'm looking forward to, and I'm gonna try to be there if possible. I gotta make me some money. Ohio State, <laughs> Oregon at Ohio State to start the year. See my boy C.J. Stroud is going to be the starter. So, yeah. but yeah, so that's all we have for you all today. Thanks for tuning in to an episode. Appreciate you, Sterling, for coming on. 
I don't know how we got to talking about college football way too early picks. I don't <laughs> I know. Something, but definitely can't say that on camera. So uh, we're going to catch up with y'all next time. Uh, more life, more blessings. Peace. He thought the money make you happy, it don't make you different. I start to see that shit myself when I got a couple million. Roll through the mud, I can't lie, seen too much. Real steppers outside, they're squeezing bus. I told my brother, have some patience and your day will come. Now he's sitting in the county jail and he ain't got no bun. You can't walk inside my shoes like a sneaker punk. I overcome obstacles and they still come. I was trying to make a way out.